And welcome to the Pac-Man Podcast, Patriotic American Citizen. I'm Ted Flint on the BMG Network. Little James Taylor starting off the program and a song from his uh, album Hourglass, I think in the early 2000s, if memory serves correctly. A song he did not write. Usually he writes all his material, but he didn't write that one. And I, I love James Taylor, love his music, but I hate his politics. And recently we, we did a show about this. I mentioned it, I think, briefly on the last podcast about him, what he said at the beginning of one of his shows, I think at Tanglewood, about Donald Trump and the FBI agents who uh, busted down the doors of his Mar-a-Lago home or invaded his home. And the whole thing is political, obviously. But anyway, James Taylor, I think he, he you know, when he was younger, I think he was strung out too many times on heroin frankly, and I think it's it's catching up to him, but a great artist. Anyway, thanks for do- tuning us in, and this is the Pac-Man Podcast, as I mentioned, and uh, before we get started, let me tell you, if you like this show, and this is what I need you to do, because I know a lot of folks listen, they tell me they listen, hit like. When you listen to the show, listen to it in its entirety. It's only 15, 18 minutes long. Hit like, hit subscribe, that subscribe button, and share it with your friends, please, and uh, tell folks about it. It's the Pac-Man podcast on the BMG network. No one major thing I want to talk about. Two or three different things I want to hit. And I wouldn't call them small topics. They're they're very important. The one thing that I I saw a couple of times this week, and I got to make make mention of it, is uh, Josh Hawley, who is a conservative Republican from Missouri. He's a senator. And he wrote a letter to A.G. Merrick Garland, who I think is one of the most political AGs probably in the history of the country. This guy, was he's no good. And you knew he was no good when Obama nominated him to the Supreme Court. The one saving grace is we, we have to deal with him now as the top law enforcement official in the land, but he could have been on the Supreme Court for God knows how long. But he's the attorney general, and Hawley wants answers to why the FBI arrested a Catholic pro-life activist in Pennsylvania last Friday. And according to some reports, they used SWAT style tactics. Now, they let all kinds of real terrorists like these Antifa thugs and BLM people, they roam the streets and destroy property and and maim and and hurt people and they get away with it with impunity. Here's a Catholic pro-life activist or they, you know, went into his house, his wife, the guy's name is Mark Houck. His wife, Ryan Marie, told Catholic News Agency, and this is the, the, the word she used, was a SWAT style team of about 25 Agents came to my house with about 15 vehicles. They started pounding on our door to arrest her husband after he allegedly physically assaulted a 72-year-old Planned Parenthood clinic escort last October. So it's been almost a year. And why would the FBI need to get involved in this? Isn't that a, a case for the local authorities? So this escort was attempting to escort two patients exiting the Philadelphia clinic when Hauk allegedly forcefully shoved this gentleman to the ground, according to the Justice Department. On a separate occasion, Hauk allegedly verbally confronted the same escort and shoved him to the ground outside the clinic. So the escort, according to this piece in Yahoo, sustained injuries and required medical attention. Anyway, uh, Hauk's wife told LifeSite News that her husband spoke outside of abortion clinics 
every Wednesday. And sometimes they, he brought their 12-year-old son with him. She said her husband shoved the clinic escort only after the escort invaded their son's personal space and said obscene things about her husband. Now, I believe her, not the attorney general or the Justice Department. Not only did our, uh, your office turn a local dispute, this is what I just said, into a national case, but the FBI reportedly executed the search warrant in as extreme a manner as one can imagine. This is what Holly, uh, Holly wrote to Garland in a letter. Reports state the FBI sent as many as 20 to 25 agents to conduct an arrest, and the FBI allegedly arrest Hauk at gunpoint in the early morning hours Friday in front of his seven children. Now, to say the least, using this kind of force, it's overkill to make an arrest for a single charge of simple assault is unprecedented. A spokesman for the FBI said the Philadelphia office told Fox News the SWAT claims are inaccurate. The spokesman said no SWAT team or SWAT operators were involved. Maybe not technically, but they used those tactics, according to the uh, allegations here from these uh, this couple. They knocked on Hauk's front door, identified themselves as FBI agents, and asked him to exit the residence. He did so, was taken into custody without incident. Now, why would there have to be 25 FBI agents, this pro-life father of seven? Does he, would he present that much of a, a security risk? Is he that dangerous? No, I don't, think, I don't think that's the case. I think it's a show of force by the Justice Department. It's, it's Soviet-style tactics, in my view, to suppress religious freedom. He's got a right to protest against abortion. Now, there's a lot that we don't know here. This report is, is incomplete. But this is not the first time this has happened. The FBI and, and justice has used these kinds of tactics to intimidate Christians mainly over the last several weeks. We're seeing more of this stuff. We cannot permit this to go on. This is not America. We don't operate that way in America. Maybe in Joe Biden's America, but there's going to be a rude awakening one day. It's like they're, like they're poking the bear. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Biden and, and his whole administration. I, I just, I don't know really where this is headed. Now, Biden said a couple of weeks back, and I think I made mention of this on the, on the last podcast, that these, and I don't have the, the report in front of me, but he said these, these folks, these patriots, these right-wingers, I mean, you and I, basically, people who love the Constitution, love our freedoms, love the country, and are patriotic, who are they going to take on? The, the country? He said the country. No, we're not taking on the country. This is, not, this is not why we view the Second Amendment as important. We view the Second Amendment as important because the Second Amendment ensures the First Amendment. That's a reality. Nobody's talking about taking on the government. Who, no, nobody's fool enough to think that's going to happen. Why would we want to even think about that kind of a scenario? With our those of us with our twelve gauge shotguns and our thirty thirties, or what I've got a I got a World War II, a Russian made Mosin Nagant rifle, but does that do I stand a chance against FBI agents or the federal government or the military? I mean, they have cruise missiles and neutron bombs and F fourteens, which is the point Biden was trying to make. It's it's a ridiculous uh, argument. It's a ridiculous topic to even bring up. Why would the president, during his speech a couple of weeks back? Bring that up. It's just unbelievable. It's unconscionable that a president would do that. It's like he's, he's looking to cause trouble.
he claimed to be a unifier. He's going to bring the country together. He's done more to divide this nation than Obama. And that's saying a lot. And Obama, he's in the, in the news all the time lately making comments about, about uh, Martha's Vineyard. He made a comment today saying the Republican governors, their actions are, are race-based. They're trying to scare people into saying we need to get rid of these illegal aliens. He didn't use the word aliens because they're of darker skin. They're people from uh, south of the border. They have darker skin than most Americans. That's not the reason. They're here illegally. Anyway, I could go on and do five shows on this. I don't want to spend too much time. There are a couple of other things I want to get to. One is the student loan debt forgiveness. Now, in the interest of full disclosure, I you know I have a few thousand dollars out in, in student loans, and I'm, I've been dutifully paying off the loan for the last 18, 20 years. And I'm almost done paying it. And I thought I was done paying it when Biden signed the executive order. But it's not official yet. It probably will be before the elections on November 8th. <clears throat> but the uh, anyway, the plan would cancel up to $20,000 for low and middle income borrowers. But it could cost all Americans $400 billion, according to a new Congressional Budget Office report. So we know what's going on here. He's trying to buy votes. He's bowing to the left wing of his party, which is most of the party at this point. I mean, uh, AOC and Bernie Sanders have been talking about student loan forgiveness for years, especially Sanders. They want 100, I guess they want $50,000 of debt forgiven. I don't think that's going to happen, but who knows? But according to CNN, here's the part I want to get to. I mean, he's bowing to pressure from the progressive wing of the party. But CNN says no student loans have yet been forgiven. And the Department of Education plans to release an application for the program beginning next month. So the applications go out in October, as I understand it. But if you own, a, if you own money on a loan, you have to pay that loan. Don't miss your September payment. And it's nearing the end of the month here. After then, we, I guess you fill out the forms. And if you're... A, uh, you, you, you meet all the uh, income requirements. If you make $125,000 or less than $125,000 in 2020 and 2021, or if you're married or head households that made $250,000 per year in those years, you're eligible to have up to $10,000 of your federal student loans erased. And qualifying borrowers who also received federal Pell Grants while in college are eligible for up to $20,000 in debt cancellation. That's according to CNN, but none of that is is official yet. They're going to send out the applications or you can pick one up some sometime in October. That's what, according to this report here. So anyway, so don't think it's over. I mean, I I was mistaken. The last couple of weeks, I'm thinking uh, I, I missed my mid-September payment. Now I got to make it. All right. The other thing uh, out there, and this is really ridiculous. And this is why I want to kind of end the, the, oh, I don't want to end the show on this because I want to make mention of the Green Bay Packers too. We'll end on the Packers beating Tampa Bay because that's big news. And I wrote a column uh, and it should be up there today on the, uh, the BMG network under the pack perspective. Uh, the Packers win the battle of the bays and they did. And it was a, a sweet victory for those of us who love the Green Bay Packers and those of us who despise Tampa Bay, I don't despise them, but I mean, last couple of years, let's face it, Brady and the and the the Bucks have had the Packers number, especially in the big games. But the Packers came up big on Sunday, and it was a tale of two halves. Basically, the Packers dominated the first half, and the uh, and the the Buccaneers came back and chipped away, and they made it. It was a tight game, went right down to the final play. We'll talk about that in a minute. But there's a, a there's a, something I want to mention regarding a, one of my favorite game shows. I haven't seen it 
in recent years because uh, by the time I get home and eat dinner at 7 o'clock. But Wheel of Fortune with Pat Sajak. I guess they had a puzzle recently that has a racist history, and it was presented to one of the contestants to solve. The category was Rhyme Time. And the answer was later revealed as eeny, meeny, miny, moe, catch a tiger by the toe. We all, you know, all know that rhyme since we were kids. Well, it didn't sit well with some viewers. According to Vox, which is a very hard left-wing website, the original version of this rhyme is rooted in the slave trade. Of course, that's all Vox and Slate and some of these left-wing websites talk about. They're just fixated on race because it divides us. And it wasn't used by children, according to Vox, but by slave owners. Tiger, in the rhyme, was originally an ensler. So knowing this, per The Sun, the publication The Sun, many took to Twitter to slam Wheel of Fortune and Pat Sajak for using a puzzle with a racist past. Now, I'm not sure Pat Sajak knew about the puzzle's past, but anyway, here, I'll read you a couple of these tweets. They're, they're priceless. Jen Morrow. She writes, not long after Eeny, Meeny, Miny, Mo Catch a Tiger by the Toe was revealed as the solution to the rhyme time category. She writes, I wonder if At Wheel of Fortune realizes the rhyme time has racist roots. Well, why don't you, I'm sure she didn't know either. Let's play Wheel of Fortune, writes another. Tonight's first category is racist. And they didn't stop there. They went after Sajak because recently they're pounding him because he was in a, uh, in a photo with uh, Georgia Congresswoman Marjorie Green and Right Side Broadcasting Network reporter Brian Glenn. So that surfaced online and the left just went apoplectic. How dare Pat Sajak? He's probably a Trump supporter. And I'm sure he is. If he's supporting and he appeared with uh, Marjorie Taylor Green, who I hope one day runs for president or at least vice president, I think should be a great number two. And this is a good segue. We talked about Tom Brady a few minutes ago. I think Tom Brady is really despised by a lot of people. And I think not because of, you know, he's won six Super Bowls and because he's uh, married to uh, Giselle Bündchen, at least for the time being. I think, you know, he came out as a, a Trump supporter when uh, Trump was in, in the White House. And after the uh, Patriots won one of the Super Bowls. He came out and was pictured with Donald Trump. And I think he mentioned he and uh, the owner of the uh, Patriots supported Donald Trump. And I think a lot of people resented that about him. And I think they're coming down hard on the guy. I don't like him because I think he's been around long enough. And lately, I think he's losing it, you know, throwing these uh, these laptops. He's thrown two laptops already this year. And he destroyed one last year, I think, against the Saints last year, too. So the NFL came out today with a statement saying and warning all 32 teams not to, you know, throw any laptops. Why not just go after go after the source, go after Brady? Why don't you find him? Never mind, you know, bringing the other 32 other 31 teams into it. I mean, it's about Brady acting like a fool. He's acting like a like a brat, like a like a kid. That's something a, a kid would do because he didn't get his way. And he certainly didn't get his way Sunday. But anyway, Brady is what can you say about him? He is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Is he the greatest? I'm, you know, I have this discussion with a lot of people with my son because my son is not a big Packer fan. He can't stand Aaron Rodgers. Well, when you, when you make the comparisons, I mean, Brady's 45 years old. He's played seven more years than has Aaron Rodgers, and he's got like 150 more touchdown passes. Uh, but Rodgers has a better than four to one ratio TDs to, to interceptions. Four to one, better than four to one. 
Brady's at roughly 3-1. to one. In head-to-head matches, Brady's up 3-2. But football is a team sport. And I'm hearing that Brady... Brady is going to, you know, he's beaten Rodgers three out of five. No, the Patriots have beaten the Packers, or the, excuse me, the Bucks have beaten the Packers three out of five. It's it's a team sport. It's not a boxing match. I mean, Rodgers can do things physically that Brady could never do, and Brady has admitted as much. You know, if you're going to, if, if winning championships is the metric that you're going to use for gauging the greatest of all time, then Bill Russell is the greatest basketball player of all time. He won 11. NBA championships. Michael Jordan won only six. LeBron James won only four. Or has won so far only four. So it's a team sport. I mean, it, this this is this kind of thing. When I was a kid, it was who's better, uh, Johnny Unitas or Bart Starr. I mean, you know, there were different different styles. Uh, they had different strengths. And, uh, and I think the same can be said of, of Brady. Brady's a great, you know, pocket quarterback, drops back in the pocket as a gun for an arm. But once that pocket collapses, he's done. Rodgers makes things happen when he leaves the pocket. He's a he's a very uh, he's more uh, gifted, I think, as far as he's more fleet of foot, which isn't hard to be. I mean, I watched Brady was flushed out of the pocket Sunday. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I know I'm faster than Tom Brady, but the guy's great. He's a great quarterback, and it was a great game. And the Packers go on to win again. If you want to read this uh, column, that I spent a lot of time on. I don't know why I spent so much time on it, but uh, the Packers win the Battle of the Bays. Go to the bmgnetwork.com and look up the Pack perspective read it and share it with your friends again tell the, your uh, your friends about the show hit like subscribe and share and uh thank you very much for tuning us in and check out all the fine programming we have for you on the bmg network you can contact me directly by uh emailing me at pacman p-a-c-m-a-n at the bmg network.com all lowercase thanks for tuning us in and if the lord wills it we will talk to you soon The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the bmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint.